evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wednesday Night Wallop, Season 4, Episode 28. It's Ryland Turner here, joined, as always, by my co-host with the most toast. It's Kyle Joseph. Kyle, how are you? Doing good. Uh, another episode of Dynamite to talk about. This one was interesting. Yes, yes, it will. I feel like this may be the shortest episode we ever record of this show. Let's find out. Yeah, let's. Uh, before we get into it, we've got some news from the wrestling world. And when we do have some news in the wrestling world, we like to cover it in a segment we like to call the Wednesday Night Roundup. It's the Wednesday Night Roundup. So, apparently Shinsuke Nakamura is having a match for Pro Wrestling Noah. It's talking about that is correct. Uh, WWE was in the works of uh, organizing a deal to send Nakamura over to Ro- Noah to wrestle the great Muda in his one of his final matches as he is gearing towards uh, retirement coming February. Um, and uh, it looks like a deal has been reached. Uh, the initial thought was that there was not going to be a deal reached with the old regime in place. But with Triple H, uh, apparently Triple H uh, went ahead and called and uh contacted noah himself uh he wanted to get this deal done uh obviously there's some sort of uh yeah triple h has always been that guy who when it comes to the japanese wrestling side of things he's got a lot of respect for that part of the world and and uh their lineage and 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 their legends and whatnot um this could could you do you think maybe that this could be like the early stages of uh, grooming the great muda for a hall of fame induction grooming is an interesting trick um (laughs) Possibly, like if they want it, because they've had a few legends recently that got into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, Jushin Thunder Liger, um, who, I mean, at very least, like I'll say this: Jushin Thunder Liger had one match in the history of the WWE sort of world. Odd match though that is. The Great Muda, at least as far as their tape library, shows up all over. Uh, WCW, it stands to reason, I would see no reason why they wouldn't want to have him inducted. If they're going to do it this year, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this is the Hollywood year, and like, let's be honest, like the Great Muda adds a little bit of international flavor to that Hall of Fame. Uh, and certainly, like you said, there, there's no shortage of footage uh, that they own of his uh, career. So certainly something to look forward to. And honestly, I think uh, as much as, you know, Great Muda is very limited, uh, I think Nakamura is a great opponent for him. And I would be I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I think it will be it'll end up being a good match. Um, I don't know if these two have a history, having not really done a lot of. Uh, like, I don't really know Nakamura's career all that well before his arrival in WWE, but you know what? I'm sure this will be a really great match. It'll be good to see Nakamura in front of, you know, the home fans again. And, yeah, um, it's it's good to see Nakamura getting this opportunity because I'm sure it means a lot to him. Certainly. Uh, do you see something like this um potentially happening in the future more working agreements sending guys over to different promotions do you think this is something triple h would be more favorable um would, would sorry do you think this is something triple h would do more so than a vince mcmahon i mean 
this deal is means that he's doing it more so than Vince McMahon. That's true. Because, you know, Vince McMahon's sort of acknowledgement of the world of wrestling outside of Vince McMahon is very rare and very limited. I think it stands to reason that this could happen. Though I do expect, again, once we start getting into that NXT thing, if we get, you know, the global NXT takeover that we're sort of contemplating might happen i think it stands to reason we're going to see more international flair just fall under the wwe oeuvre it wouldn't surprise me if like if they decide to do like nxt japan for example which i suspect would be a thing that they would want to do if they are going to do an nxt global brand i think that might be the next one after they do their european brand but I suspect if they're going to do something like that, it's more likely that they take over a company than it is that they try to muscle themselves into a, an absolute world of already existing companies. True. Uh, they did mention on their earnings call today that they're how they describe it as local. Sorry, a global localization is definitely that term is back. And it looks like it's here to stay. It's, that was always Triple H's brainchild when it came to the performance centers. And there is already a performance center over in uh, in England. So this is where the uh, the NXT uh, Europe will, I assume, come out of. Um, and 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 in, they did mention also, like when it, in re- uh, regards to like recruiting guys from India, it's a lot easier to send a guy from India to England than it is to do the paperwork and get them over to the States. So this is, I think this is what Triple H's uh, vision has always been to have this sort of localized or global localization, as he puts it. And uh, certainly Japan looks like a hotbed for a place to do that. You're right, though. I think that taking over one of the smaller promotions makes more sense than trying to nestle in next to a Noah or next to a New Japan or uh, DDT. I mean, maybe DDT is the one they go after. Who knows? Yeah, I to be honest, if I were if I were WWE, I'd be looking to take over um, a an existing promotion. Probably not DDT, just because I don't think the comedy stuff plays with what WWE is trying to build. Dragon Gate, uh, Dragon Gate USA, uh, Drag Dragon Gate would be an example. I'd say a zero one could be another one. Um, and then I'd also be looking at a Joshi promotion, whether that be Tokyo Joshi, whether it be Sunday Girls. I, I think um, a couple of them might be a bit too large to want to. And, you know, the the ones that are dealing with, with New Japan, obviously, you're, you're sort of not going to get too much headway there. Because I don't think they're going to try to beat New Japan in their own market. I don't think that's the intention. I think the idea is basically just to try to grow some future talent um, for the WWE market, which absolutely something they can do. Next piece of news, our last piece of news for today, uh, WWE has apparently reached an extension with Hulu. Yeah, it was another part of the earnings call today. Um, Nick Khan uh, said that they had restructured their, de- or sorry, uh, renewed their deal with Hulu, and they will continue to uh, be able, or they will continue to have shortened episodes of Raw, SmackDown, what have you. On their uh, on their platform, uh, that's good for I mean the U.S. listeners uh, certainly. We don't have Hulu in Canada. Well, I will say I did hear today on a podcast that uh, WWE's TV rights deal in Canada is up in about two years. 
Um, now, certainly, I don't think that, that we, we have many options when it comes to Canadian viewing. It's really TSN or Sportsnet. Um, and what makes those two things difficult, and this is the, like, the driving force to the WWE is going to have to kill the WWE network before it gets killed by, um, by Canada. Because, and this is the important thing, whereas, TSN and Sportsnet could add WWE's backlog catalog to their, you know, platforms. It's far more lucrative for Rogers and Bell to have them as part of a cable package. Right. Because that guarantees that wrestling fans are kind of stuck with cable if they want to be able to watch WWE content. In, in Canada, you need a cable subscription. For those who don't know, in Canada, you need a cable subscription in order to watch the WWE Network. In order to get the WWE Network, you cannot purchase it independently. You have to do it through cable package. And that is, you know, largely because the WWE has a deal with, with Rogers. Yes, it was quite the deal in, in 2014. 10-year deal signed. Like, do you expect that this is going to be an easy renewal? Or do you think that there there may be a it streaming depends service? On if WWE, and that's the thing. It depends on if WWE wants to keep going with, with WWE Network. Because they want to keep going to the network, it's an easy renewal because Sportsnet is a, a large, uh, you know, Rogers uh, is a large national brand. They have time slots available for wrestling. It stands to reason that it, it would work. And all, ultimately, with TSN having a deal with AEW, it's uh, unless the two were going to switch, it's unlikely that one would grab both. I can't imagine that. Um, WWE or AEW would like for you know one platform to have to be broadcasting both of them, especially since the, some of them run at the same time. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, it, it for me it makes a lot of sense for them to renew with Rogers. There really isn't a lot of other options because you know, like just thinking of channels that would be interested in airing wrestling in Canada, you don't have a lot of. Uh, options when it comes to sports, it's really only the two major broadcasters right now because the score had this contract for a while. Yes. If you remember, uh, the score was the WWE broadcaster for quite a while, and then they got bought out by by Sportsnet, and Sportsnet sort of inherited that those rights, and I think renegotiated those rights at the time. So yeah, to me. That's the only place that makes logical sense. Like, I don't foresee a world where CBC is going to be broadcasting <laughs> WWE. Or <So>, YTV. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. is that and, and the big thing about that is all of those networks, a lot of them are owned either by Rogers or Bell. So unless you're going to find somebody who's competing with Rogers or Bell and owns a, a network, why would they put them on anything other than a sports network? Well, that's totally fair. Totally fair. Um, so that's the news for today. Is there anything else you want to get into? Yes, sir. It is time for Dinner Before Dynamite. Mm. Kyle, what'd you eat? Uh, it was wing night for me. So I had, um, I went and uh, met a friend of mine. We had some, some wings, uh, Whiskey Creek Barbecue for myself, and uh, a couple of the uh, suicide hot wings from my local wingery 
and uh, then came home and finished the rest of the pizza I had gotten myself for lunch because uh, yeah, I wanted pizza today. That's fair. That's totally. If a day doesn't, if a week doesn't go by where I don't want pizza, I I don't know what's what's wrong with me. Today I had a smokehouse burger uh, from from Chuck's Roadhouse, which is a, a six ounce burger patty with barbecue sauce, natural uh, orange cheddar, uh, natural, uh, very natural. Yes. Um, uh, red onions, lettuce, uh, garlic aioli, uh, mushrooms, and onion rings. Um, and it is not sitting with me well. So here's hoping that we can blast through this list. Uh, yeah, let me tell you, I don't know if you want to be, you know, uh, dragging down your employer during a podcast, but... Um. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm not dragging down my employer, just my overall diet is terrible, so this is something that's, I deal with on the that's regular. That's I will say, yeah, as somebody who, um, the, the acid reflux, the, um, getting into the thirties, the big awful. thing for me, oh, the big thing for me that I found is it's not so much what I eat because my stomach is a tank still. It's the time. Yes. And anything after like midnight, it's, that's bad news for Kyle. Yeah. No, I, I, I had Doritos at 2 a.m. a few nights ago and I paid for it all night long. So, yeah, no, I certainly, uh, in my, it was my late 20s, early 30s that I discovered acid reflux and, uh, I wish I would, it was left undiscovered. That's fair. Uh, so let's move on. It is time for the fastest two-ish minutes in the wrestling podcasting world. It is time for the Wednesday Night Rundown. Opening match, Jay Lethal defeated Darby Allen. In a bit of a schmoz match, to add to it, we got the debut of Cole Carter in a sting mash, and Jeff Jarrett is now part of the Jay Lethal faction. More on that later. John Moxley cut a John Moxley promo and then won a John Moxley match over Lee Moriarty. Renee Paquette sat down with Soraya and not Dr. Britt Baker DMD earlier in the night. Billy Gunn had his birthday celebration with the acclaimed. Shenanigans ensued. Chris Jericho defeated Colt Cabana in a return match for Colt Cabana. Death Triangle had a promo, which then followed to Ray Phoenix losing in a triple threat with Luchasaurus and the eventual winner and still an all-athletic champion, Orange Cassidy. In the post-match, we got an attack by Pac, and Shibata came to make the save, so we're getting Orange Cassidy versus Shibata on Rampage for that all-Atlantic championship. Oh my god! We'll get to that later. Isaiah, Swerve, Scott, and Keith Lee were backstage with Rick Ross. Lots more on that later. Yes. <laughs> we had a promo from Jamie Hayter and Dr. Britt Baker and unbeknownst to it seems like everybody Jamie Hayter has a match with Tony Storm on the pay-per-view now. Yes. Did she talk about it during the interview? No. no. But but she has a match with her uh, and that's a thing. Um, Jade Cargill defeated Marina Shafir in a squash. 
And then Samoa Joe defeated Brian Cage to defend his ROH TV title. And in the post-match, um, there was attacks on both sides, which ended with a showdown between Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs. This podcast is brought to you by Spear King. Literally. Our producer, RJ, has decided to branch out and brand himself, and we couldn't be more excited to hear that. If you've been with Wednesday Night Wallop from the beginning, you will hear that the production has since improved tenfold, and that's all thanks to Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills, from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout, and the editing of the podcast in its entirety. Spear King puts a royal effort into your product. I know for a fact that we wouldn't have the professional sound that we do without his efforts. So please go support our producer in all of his future endeavors, and don't be afraid to reach out about something you're interested in RJ getting his hands on. That's Spear King Co. on Facebook, at spear.king.co on Instagram, and at Spear King Music on TikTok. Spear King. Music, media, and production. So... Honorable mentions, Rylan. Uh, I have the House of Black promo that aired. I thought that that was really good. Um, I'm excited to see that they are gearing up to return. Um, Renee and uh, Soraya's video package I thought was good. Uh, You mentioned off air that that's probably the best you've heard Soraya speak since she's gotten back. I will agree with you. Although uh, I do think that it is kind of ridiculous that we couldn't have the sit down. I think that that was necessary at this point. And to just kind of throw it away last minute, I thought was silly. Um, I enjoyed Daddy Ass's birthday. I thought that the DX jokes were quite funny, uh, considering all the news that had come out about Billy Gunn not making it to the DX reunion for Raw. I thought that 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 was quite good. I think both guys, Max Caster and, um, sorry, uh, uh, Anthony Bowens, Bowens, yeah, yeah, they're they're tremendous on the mic. Uh, So much confidence between the two of them that that they command a crowd. They had one of the loudest pops of the night. Uh, Not the loudest pop, but one of. Uh, And I enjoyed it. Uh, And also uh, Rick Ross. Fucking just hilarious. Just fucking hilarious i love rick ross i mean like i loved rick ross in this segment i don't know if i love rick ross my honorable mentions uh, i'll agree with you on saraya and renee uh, i talked about it before the show i might as well agree with myself and also uh i had uh powerhouse hobbs in the post-match uh with wardlow i thought he looked fantastic that spine buster is something else it really is and and uh Colt Cabana came back. We got to see Colt Cabana wrestle, which it was nice to see. I know you as punk fan had different feelings about this match than I as not punk fan, but you know what? It's good to see Colt Cabana get an opportunity. It's been too long. I, I certainly, uh, I will talk about this later. Uh, I, I feel like you're, you're expecting one opinion from me, and I do not have that opinion, but we will get into it. So, uh, Rylan, um, we didn't talk about these beforehand, so I imagine these lists are going to be all over the place. Rylan, tell me your number five. It's Moxley and Lee Moriarty. I thought this, as much as it was a John Moxley match, I thought Lee Moriarty got a lot of good offense in. Uh, certainly uh, looked very capable against the world champion. And I, I will say, I'm not digging the green hair. I, I, I uh, The green hair for me is a, is a complete... Like, 
it, it I feel like I can't take him as seriously as he could be taken with the green hair. I don't know if that's just me. I don't know how you feel, Kyle. Um, but uh, I also thought that Ethan Page on commentary in this match was quite entertaining. So um, I'm interested to see where this story goes. Uh, obviously, no MJF this week. And uh, that was it felt like it was missing for me. And this is the big thing for me. I don't want to see Mox wrestle until the pay-per-view. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can agree with you on that. We've seen a lot of Mox matches, and then moreover, Lee Moriarty's not going to beat John Moxley when we're promoting a match against MJF at the pay-per-view. True. And these kind of matches, like, with Penta, I'll excuse it a little bit, because I think Penta is, you know, a big enough deal to warrant a championship match. Lee Moriarty is not a bad wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. He proved that tonight. He was he had a very solid uh, few exchanges with Mox. I thought they, he uh, looked solid. I was a little disappointed to see him get tapped out, uh, especially for a submission specialist. That's kind of, you know, it's something that you want to protect a little bit more, I think. Right. And, and the big thing is that they used the numbers advantage in the post-match, but they didn't at all during the match, which I thought was the point of the firm. I feel like if you're just going to have, the like, especially if it's Moxley, he's just going to pick off members of the firm one by one. It's not that interesting. But that's that's just me. That was I didn't end up on my list. Not that it wasn't a good match. The match was very good. It just there's too many things here that I just the story's going in directions that I don't necessarily think it ought. Fair enough. Tell totally for fair. For me, for me, the guy who needs to show up and wrestle right now is MJF. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it should be him going through the members of the firm before we get to Moxley. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. What was your number five? Every day, I'm hustling. It was Rick Ross. My man Rick Ross out here. Um, I think that for me, everything everything about it was great. Uh, we're keeping positive here today. was really great. Um, him getting super hyped for an eight-man tag match was fantastic. Having having champagne for Tony Schiavone. Oh, yeah. Even, yeah, you even brought <laughs> That was great. Uh, I, but... Uh, mega, mega props me, the to, line uh, of it. to. Sorry, go on, go on. The line of it. The line of it for me was when Keith Lee said that Isaiah uh, sort of Scott cheated uh, during the match against uh, FTR. Uh, Rick Ross chimed up. Those are false accusations. Um, Rick Ross was ready to be Isaiah uh, to be Swerve's manager, one hundred percent, and I dug it in a big way. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I uh, I thought he was really great. Uh, like I said, I really loved him having a, a champagne glass for uh, for Tony Schiavone. I thought that was really funny. Uh, him just wooing. I, I all, all the credit in the world to Keith Lee for not cracking a smile the entire time. <laughs> like I feel like even Sami Zayn couldn't break this guy. Uh, Keith Lee, Keith Lee is a consummate pro, and this was this was a really fun segment. Uh, Rylan, your number four. Uh, my number four was Jericho and Cabana. I thought a uh, really good match. I had feelings going into this week that this might be the match just based on the fact that they are in Baltimore, which is Ring of Honor's kind of like home base, or at least it has been for the, the duration of time that Sinclair has owned Ring of Honor. 
Um, and Cole Cabana was a big part of that. So it, it totally makes sense. Uh, the, the only thing I have feel about this match is that if, if anyone has high, any hopes of CM Punk returning to uh, AEW, I think this was the uh, loud and clear that that's not happening. And that's okay. Um, obviously, the, these guys weren't able to come to terms. Uh, there was a report this week from Nick Hausman, the, what, the guy who started it all at the press conference, Nick Hausman. Uh, he said that there are people close to Punk that says he, he's never going to wrestle again and that he's got foot feet. He's got um, f- footprints in Hollywood and thanks to fr- friendships with guys like Stephen Amell and what have you. And he's looking to just do that. So it looks like quietly this may be the end of CM Punk. I wish him the best. I would like him to come back to AEW, obviously. Or if he feels like he has a WWE run left in him. Like, to me, the sad thing about this is at least with his first retirement, it felt like he was leaving on his own terms. This just doesn't feel like that, you know? No, it feels like an an, an, um, unfinished chapter. Yeah. And... and, And it's a, for for me as a fan, like I want to see this guy close that book on his life uh, properly. But I mean, like this is pro wrestling, and some guys don't get that opportunity. And I mean, like I've said it before, and I'll say it again: I do not agree with uh, the, his actions at the press conference. I'm disappointed that uh, it landed us in this position. Uh, really, I do. Uh, I or really, I am because. Um, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. Um, that being said, though, um, there is a little bit of hostility with me and the elite right now. Like, there's a, there's a, like, not, not like. I just feel like the what if they're continuing to do this whole AEW can't exist without us storyline, it's really short sighted considering the fact that AEW has been just fine without all of them. Oh, we didn't, we didn't see more of it tonight. Yes, we did. Did we? Yes, we did. There was a there was a new promo uh, where they had um, moments from their uh, tag title or them winning the tri- uh, trios titles. Oh, right, and then them having to. Uh, I saw that was brief. Yes. Okay. Sure. Like for me, the thing about this is that the storyline seems a little self-important, but I'm not entirely sure where we're going with it, and. I, well, as much as I would like to see the Elite come back, because I'm a fan of them, obviously, the big thing for me right now is that, oh, this roster is too deep for us to have to have Moxley matches every week. It's true. It's true. The champion shouldn't have to wrestle every week. No, I agree. Chris Jericho shouldn't have to wrestle every week. He's doing a damn good job of it, though. Well, no, I know, but like, I'm just saying, my point I is didn't, that... I, there's something I didn't even credit like Jericho and Cabana was a, a sound match too. like the, the guys went in there and they had a good match uh, Cabana looked fine Jericho looked great as he has for months so all the credit in the world to those two guys I think I thought that they definitely uh, showed out uh, I don't think anyone thought that Cole Cabana was winning the title but I think even uh, less people thought that Ian Riccoboni was getting away with this, with it this week I'll say this uh, my number four, uh, it's going to be a positive and a negative. Jay Cargill versus Marina Shafir. Positive. 
I thought the squash worked well for Jade Cargill continuing her dominance, and there are a lot of a lot of this match where I was very distracted, but Jade Cargill was still focused on business. I thought that should have been the entire story of the match, personally. I thought she shouldn't have been distracted at all and just, like, beat up Marina Shafir and then dealt with uh, Nyla and Vicky after the fact. However, after all these years later, man, that excuse me, it's still go-away heat for me. Yeah. Uh, I hated all this. Uh, uh, firstly, don't squash Marina Shafir. She's somebody who you have tried to spend the last few months trying to big up a little bit. You gave her a, a moniker. You gave her a bunch of wins on Dark. You gave her a title match where she went or she had some offense. Uh, she doesn't need to be fed to Jade Cargill. I know you. Have, I just. You have I kind of disagree. No, you, like because here's the thing. Jade Cargill beating a nobody doesn't do anything. Jade Cargill, because she is, you know, do- domineering champion, if you're going to feed, like, you don't need to feed her a squash. But the, the thing for today was you were feeding her a squash. That was the story for today. It, it needed to be somebody, one, who was close to Nyla Rose, and two, who is strong enough that it warrants Jade Cargill putting her title on the line for it. And Marina Shafir fit both those categories. And I'm sorry, but uh, like, are there other matches I'd like to see Marina Shafir where she gets a bit more offense in? Yes, but we've seen Shafir and uh, Cargill already. And I find it totally believable that Jade Cargill would blow through Marina Shafir. I, I completely forgot we've seen this already. Um, I just, I, I hate this storyline. I, I, I think that there's better things for Jade Cargill and better things for Nyla Rose to be doing than I stole your title I and I'm eating chips. I agree with you on Nyla Rose. I'll agree with you on the Nyla Rose side of this for sure. Like, I, I do think, especially, especially because she used to be a champion, like, you don't need to sell me on Nyla Rose versus Jade Cargill. I'm already there. Right. Just, like, you want to sell me on it, have Nyla Rose sneak up on her and power bomb her through a table. Yeah, this whole I'm I'm yelling on the ramp eating chips, like, it's just, it's, I don't know, if for me, it's j- just as much go-away heat as Vicky's excuse me. Like, I just, I, I expect more from, from these ladies because I know both of them are way more capable. So, I hated this segment and I hate this storyline. I hope it's over quick. I think this is going to go to the pay-per-view, but to be honest, and I wish it wouldn't, but to be honest, um, I don't mind the match going to the pay-per-view. And I will say this. I don't have a problem with the heel taking the title belt from... Um, well, Jake Cargo isn't really a face, but she's kind of a tweener. Right. I don't have a problem with a heel stealing a title belt from a, another wrestler, that's a that's a long-standing tradition in wrestling. I think this is what I what I do have a problem with is Nyla Rose having to hide every week. I think should she run away in situations where Jade Cargill's coming after her? Sure, but she should be there blasting Jade Cargill just as much. She uh, took the title yeah. belt from her for a reason. You should have her come like sneak up after the match, not come out on the ramp while she's wrestling a match, but sneak up on her behind her after the match, blast her with a clothesline or a powerbomb or something, and have her walk away with the title again. And just as a reminder that Jake Cargill 
it, you know, she is still the dominant champion. She still hasn't lost, but she has this thorn in her side she has to deal with. Right. There's a way to tell this story that is better than how they're doing it. Rylan, you're number three. Uh, the triple threat match between Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, and Luchasaurus I thought was tremendous. Um, I'm really, really digging uh, the the, the storyline between Pac and the rest of the Death Triangle with him trying to use, get them to use the hammer. Uh, obviously, Luchasaurus. I love Luchasaurus's entrance. I really, I know it's very Kane esque, but I think it suits him. Oh, it's good. Yeah, one hundred percent. I really dig it. Um, and Orange Cassidy has been has been nothing but tremendous uh, for quite some time now, and I'm I'm happy with him as the champion. But the post match, really, with uh, Shibata making his return to AEW for the first time since Forbidden Door, and we are getting Orange Cassidy because. So this match was for the title, and the winner would be able to choose their dream match for Rampage at their Atlantic City Rampage. So Shibata, Shibata comes out with the rest of the best friends to make the save once the uh, once Pac comes out to uh, try and take out Orange Cassidy. And uh, yeah, he signs the contract, and we're getting Shibata in his second match ever since his brain hemorrhage. And man, what an opponent for him! Yeah, this is interesting because I wonder. I mean, his other match was very much so a protected match. Like they, there were specific rules. Although Shibata did kind of go all out and kind of nutty in it um, at the, this past year's Wrestle Kingdom. I wonder what we're going to see from Shibata and Orange Cassidy, and it's certainly going to give me a reason to tune into Rampage at some point this weekend. I think for me, Orange Cassidy is a pretty safe pair of hands. And all of his really good looking offense, it, a lot of it, the work is on him and the, um, like, you know, and there's not a lot of like, th- th- he doesn't have a lot of risk to his, to his, uh, to his maneuvers. And I think just Shibata. Um, taking those devastating Orange Cassidy kicks and then just chopping him in the chest or like just knocking him down would be a lot of fun. I, this is going to be a really good match. Yeah, I agree. Spoilers, I had this later. Fair enough. My number three is uh, Brian Cage and Samoa Joe. It's been a while, but we had ourselves a hoss fight. <laughs> it hasn't. It hasn't been. It hasn't been that long since Wardlow and. Uh, and Brian Cage. It's only been a few weeks. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, here's what I'll say about this. Um, Smojo had some good offense, but Brian Cage showed out during this match. He carried a lot of this match. No disrespect to Joe. It was just the story was Brian Cage being domineering and Samoa Joe being able to end a match at any moment with, with the choke, which is exactly what happened. It wasn't a long match. There's nothing... Uh, like nothing particularly huge or so just it's the smoothness by which Brian Cage is able to pull off some of his offense and how many guys are able to pump handle slam Samoa Joe with ease with yes too the ease of fluidity as though he was a man half his size it is is very impressive uh Cage um I'm liking the this return of Brian Cage and this version of Brian Cage in AEW is working for me. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I'm hoping he's not going to be 
put into Ring of Honor once uh, Ring of Honor does get its feet back uh, up and running again. Uh, I'd like to see him stick around in AEW. I think that the Embassy is a perfect faction for for AEW. And it's nice to see Powerhouse Hobbs in it as well. I feel like he's another guy who benefits from being in this group. Is he in the group or is he just yes. or he's just doing his own thing? I believe he's part of the group. I believe he joined on uh, last week's Rampage or maybe two weeks ago. Okay, interesting. Good to know. Um, I, I agree. Oh, the the post match in this was great. I obviously mentioned Hobbs in my honorable mention, um, and Hobbs and Wardlow. That sounds like it's going to be a match. There, there are a lot of hot Haas fights coming for the end of the year. We are going to have our Haas fight of the year. It's going to be a difficult choice this year. There there have been some great ones already in both companies. And uh, some more good ones to come for sure. I do want to trail back just for a second before we get to our number twos. Um, in that triple threat match with uh, Luchasaurus, Orange Cassidy, and... Um, and and Ray Phoenix, uh, when or, uh, Luchasaurus choke slams Ray Phoenix through the table, I I I cringed because of the last time that the, that Luchasaurus choke slammed Ray Phoenix through a table, which they did That's make fair. mention of uh, on they commentary. Did. But it did look like, based on his finishing sequence, it did look like he was fine. Yes. Um, number two, Rylan. Uh, I had a uh, Jericho and Cabana, uh, uh, my number four. My number two is the post-match. I loved the, the, the brawl between the JAS and the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, Cesaro making, or sorry, Claudio making the save for Ian Riccoboni. Uh, it doesn't seem like Ian Riccoboni is ever getting this punishment that Chris Jericho wants to deal to him. He seems like the guy who is, uh, who is bulletproof when it comes to Ring of Honor. Um, um, maybe he has a clause in his contract that there's no Judas effects, but yeah. He certainly had his glasses broken on this episode, so there was that. Um, yeah, I just, I really love this brawl. Uh, I, uh, but I also, I, I do want to mention the Jungle Boy brawl during the Triple Threat match, too. Like, all of the posts, they had a lot of great post-match stuff in this dynamite in particular like you had good matches but the post match is what really commanded a lot of everyone's attention if you even if we like Jarrett Jarrett didn't make my list right but like even his like that was I feel like bigger than the match itself Jungle Boy coming out to get Luchasaurus was bigger than the match itself um and and I would say the same for this uh, JAS and BCC brawl I think that's fair. Like, this match was not supposed to be, like, a huge challenge for Jericho. No. It was more of a return for Colt Cabana, which is nice to see. Um, and I do agree with you. Like, the Blackpool Combat Club brawl was, was very good. My only thing, as I remain, you know, in this is, where are we going with this? Yeah, certainly. Rylan, my number two is a negative. Oh, it is J E double F J A double R E double T. Several reasons. One, I can never abide by Jeff Jarrett. Um, I think for as solid a wrestler he as he has been in past shows, like you know, he has had some good matches in WCW in nineteen ninety nine. Or 2000, or like that in that era. Um, I'd argue he had better matches in TNA, but that's just me. 
I never watched TNA. Why would I do such a thing? Um, We're getting there, Kyle. We're getting there. Oh, no. You are not dragging me through that nonsense. Um, I I also, like, to me, he's a mid-carder. At his his peak, he was a mid-carder. And no disrespect, there's a lot of great mid-card wrestlers, and I thought he was a good worker. I also thought the guitar thing was very one-note. Like, to me... He's a Billy Ray Cyrus parody that ran longer than Billy Ray Cyrus did. <laughs> and it just, I, uh, um, and the one, and they'll say this to double down on this. The thing that Jay Lethal doesn't need is more non wrestlers in this faction. He already has Sanjay Dutt. Already has Satnam Singh. I love that you consider Satnam Singh a non-wrestler, even though he's training. (laughs) But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He doesn't wrestle. No, you're you're not wrong. Um, and then on top of that, Nicole Carter in the the Sting mask, which, like, okay, uh, he's yeah, he's from the factory. I don't know if there's a point to him being here. And I don't know who he is or why he cares about Darby Allen. I know why Jeff Jarrett cares. Because uh, of his... Apparently the feud with Sting never ends. How many matches have those two had between the, all the companies they've wrestled in? 800? I, I listen, looking, listen, Kyle. Uh, he, is he's got is no match 801 going to be a banger? He's got to no-sell that guitar shot in every company they've worked together in. Uh, I just... Like... Everything about this to me screams, I don't care. And to me, the sad thing about this is that I think it's hurting this feud because I thought the brawl really brought some life back into uh, this feud from last week. And then the match this week was not as good as the match they had in in the past. Well, I will. I, I, I did not see the match. I unfortunately tuned in to Dynamite just as Jarrett was cutting his promo. I'm going to wait and see with this one. Um, I feel like some of the stink that Jeff Jarrett has on him from past. Uh, put it to you this way. Um, I feel like he's got some of the same stink that Triple H had on him. Booking himself to be champion uh, throughout met pl- plenty of times in uh, TNA. Uh, him backstage politics, backstage politics, which uh, you know what, though, that exists with a lot of guys that like I can't, I, no, I know, but it's like it's one of those things, like for one of those, he's one of those guys that are really stuck to. And I think the other problem that I have with this, and the other thing about this is that like AEW had been pretty good about how it's used its veterans, and I don't have a problem with Jeff Jarrett coming on board in the business role or whatever it is that he's doing in, in AEW. I just don't want to see him wrestle. And also, like, is there a person that you paired with Jeff? If you paired with Jeff Jarrett, I would at least be willing to wait and see. Sure, this group doesn't need another person. No, I agree. I agree. And and then we got two today, which like I thought Jay Lethal, we were close to Jay Lethal not needing these guys anymore, and now he added more guys. Maybe this will be the, the the thing that pushes him away. He's like, I don't need Jerry. Maybe. He made me lose to Flair. Damn it! 
And, and this is the there's the other the other worry I have is we're starting to assemble enough people as part of that match that I'm worried Ric Flair is going to show up, and I just I'm not here for that. No, I'm not either, and I I think that uh, I I hope Tony Khan is is. Uh is uh, not going down that route. Uh, I will say this. Uh, all the credit in the world to Jeff Jarrett for being the busiest man in wrestling in 2022. How he's kept... No, come, don't shake your head at me, Kyle. This man has appeared at SummerSlam, Ric Flair's last match. He took the best super kick of the summer from Jey Uso. The sell was incredible. Uh, and, 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 like, I mean, uh, GCW, he had a great feud with Effie uh, most of uh, this year. Uh, listen, I, I I'm not for him wrestling either. This is not a guy who inspires me once he get once the bell rings. But I think as a talker, he can be useful. I do not think he needs to be with Jay Lethal. I think there are plenty of guys on that roster who would be better suited with Jeff Jarrett as their manager than Jay Lethal. And um, that's sort of where I'm at with this. Is that like I don't think Jeff Lee or I don't think Jeff Jarrett can't be a manager. I think he could be a perfectly good good one. I this grouping does not make any sense to me. No, oh, I, I I don't disagree with you on that. Rowan, uh, your number one. My number one was Joe and Cage. I thought it was a great main event. I really love Hoss fights, especially in that position. And you're right, Brian Cage really showed out in this match. The the dive to the outside that hit Joe perfectly, uh, the senton. Uh, over the top rope. I, I thought that that was just fantastic. Um, yeah, it, 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 I, I feel like it was in direct contrast to R-Truth getting hurt last night. I don't know if you were familiar with that spot, but R-Truth suffered an injury on NXT doing a very similar move. Of course, he did not land this move um, and is unfortunately uh, legitimately injured. Um, but Brian Cage went for the, uh, the the same move and just landed it so flush and perfect on Joe. Uh, Joe, uh, his promo work going into this was phenomenal. Phenomenal. War Joe is going to kill you? I love that. I love that. It's way better than Welcome to Wardlow's World. Uh, and, and as you mentioned earlier, I thought that Hobbs in the post-match uh, getting one over on Wardlow and holding up the TNT title was a great way to end Dynamite. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um... My number one, uh, for two reasons, all Atlantic Championship match. This trio's match was great. Um, there was a sequence between Orange Cassidy and Ray Phoenix right after the start of this match, where those two were going back and forth, and it's a nice reminder of man, Orange Cassidy can go when he want, when he wants to. Right. to. To be able to do a sequence toe to toe with Ray Phoenix at full speed is very impressive. And two, Jungle Boy. Jump, my man Jungle Boy tackled Luchasaurus into a table. He, the speed that guy had running uh, through the, the, the tunnel there to hit Luchasaurus was phenomenal. I thought he looked great. Um, that, yeah, it was again, it was a really, really awesome spot. Really awesome. And uh, it's, it's interesting what we're building to. We're building to um, potentially Orange Cassidy versus Pac again. Uh, although I wonder where we're going to go with this. And I think for me, I almost think that match needs a third competitor because I think we've seen Orange Cassidy versus Pac enough times now. And I wonder if that third competitor might be another member of Death Triangle. Uh, I wonder if we might get Phoenix versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy. It's certainly, I, we're going to have to pay attention to Rampage this week. That's, that's for sure. And uh, the other thing is, man... 
we're getting close to that pay-per-view, and please let Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy get a stipulation. Yes. Yes, that's got to be like an ambulance match or some shit. Some something wild. Some extreme rules. It could be a tables match. Like sure, like whatever it's gonna be. I, I mean, it could be since Christian's involved. It could be a TLC match. That would be that would be just fine too. I don't I don't know what they'd be climbing the ladder for, but like yeah, whatever it is, I I would like to see those two. I don't I just, like it can't just be a match. There's too much bad blood between these two. Yeah. So- and and yeah, uh, I thought Orange Cassidy retaining was great. I thought the post-match was fantastic with Shibata signing the contract and everything like that. It's a very Orange Cassidy move. Like, that's the thing. Orange Cassidy's um, thing right now is he keeps getting challenged by random people. and He keeps being like, yeah, I guess I'm fighting you. And it fits his character. Not only do we get Shibata on Rampage, we get Mike Tyson on commentary the entire show. We sure do. Uh, JR is coming back for this show. This is going to be a show, man. It's, it's and it's live, I believe. Is it not? I, I think you're. I think you're right. So there are going to be no spoilers for that. Uh, this will be a show that I think people are. It's certainly with the Shibata thing. I think that's the thing that really puts it over the top as a must-see show. This guy is not wrestled almost at all minus the Wrestle Kingdom match since that brutal injury and I mean for good reason certainly and it's interesting that AEW is getting a match with him yeah yeah that's that's the, I, I thought for sure we weren't going to see anything with him until at least near Forbidden Door 2 but it's they they needed something they needed a ringer on Rampage and they, they reached out and they got Shibata of all people uh, I'm excited for sure uh, I, think, I think I'm going to tune in this weekend um, what are you going to give this episode of Dynamite? Um, because nothing offended. Me. Well, no, some things did offend me, and I feel like there's stories going. Like to me, this is the first match where I felt there were a lot of stories going in the wrong direction. And like, for example, like again, FTR staring down those titles to me was way more exciting than oh by the way they still have to deal with the gun club or um you know Soraya is building to this like something it's possible there's a pay-per-view match between Soraya and Britt Baker that looks to be the direction they're going but they have built it so slowly yes that I don't know like is she going to be ready for that? I don't know yet. Um, the Jericho, the Blackpool Combat Club, it still feels like it needs a direction because I don't know which member of those guys is going to be fighting Jericho if Jericho's getting a pay-per-view match. And we're already starting to get into that place where, uh-oh, we're building a lot of pay-per-view matches. Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter is going to it's a great that sounds like a great match that could have used some build today. They did they did have a promo package where they talked they had, about they how they storm. Sure. They storm giving the promo package which I thought was very good. They do have like 3 episodes of Dynamite I think before the pay-per-view. I agree with you. It's just weird to announce that have had them on the show had had Hater on the show and not tell her she's getting a pay-per-view match. No, yeah, I, do. I certainly agree with you on that. It, just, it This show to me, <clears throat> it's a three. The pieces were all there, but the story beats are a bit all over the place, and I feel like we're building to a worryingly busy card, 
and I just don't think I have four and a half hours in me uh, to watch wrestling anymore in a sitting. That's fair. That's fair. Um, it's too. It's too long to ask. No, like, I, I, I'll I don't this. disagree with you. Three hours feels like a good length for a standard pay per view, and if you're going to go past that three hour mark, it one do it very sparingly, and two, um, do like it better, like it better mean something. And to me, four hours is the absolute threshold where if you're going past four hours, you need a second day. And I don't think AEW should have two day pay per view. No, I, maybe double or nothing could be a two-day pay-per-view. You're in Las Vegas. You got the, you got the scenery and everything like that. Sure, do that. But everything else, do it in a day and just get some of those storylines resolved on TV. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you on that. It's also, it's it, sorry, it's only two episodes of Dynamite left before the pay-per-view, and um. As usual, uh, we are two weeks away from the pay-per-view, and we have two matches booked, maybe three, with the tag match. Yeah, yeah, two matches booked for the pay-per-view, and funnily enough, like, two matches booked for next week's Dynamite. Yeah, sir. I do love how this week they gave Excalibur a break from the, the ridiculous rundown of matches, and that he they simply <laughs> had they simply had more matches will be announced on Rampage this week. Yeah, and that's like, they have an elimination tournament that they're trying to run before the show started and they don't have all the people in the tournament yet no they don't they're gonna announce Where more of that on fi- rampage like here's my other question like are we having eliminate like elimination tournament matches on dark um they they might be happening on rampage and we just don't know but they also could be happening on dark certainly uh but like I- but this rampage is pretty full right yeah so oh yeah all right uh what do you give this show I'm giving it a three as well. I had it at 3.5, but after we talked about Jade Cargill's segment there, it brought it right down to a three for me. That one just, it stunk up the room for me, and I I, I really like Jade, and I really like Nyla too, so I really hope that this either gets more violent um, or just better somehow, and I feel like you're running out of time because I'm already kind of annoyed with it. Uh, but yeah, three three out of five for me. All right, uh, Rylan, why don't you tell the people where they can find us on social medias? If you want to find us on Twitter, it is at WN Wallop. On Instagram, it's just WN Wallop. On Facebook, just type in Wednesday Night Wallop in the search bar. Look for myself and Kyle Joseph's name with our little black and gold logo there. That's us. Uh, follow us there. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. If you want to find us on, uh, if you want to find our podcast, so uh, you can find us on Spotify, Deezer, Amazon Music. Uh, God, where else can you find us? Uh, Podbean. You can. That's pretty much our home base. Um, God, we're everywhere. We're we're uh, all over the place. Um, Kyle, where can they? Oh, and if you want to find me personally on Twitter, it's at dub or uh, ugh, at R Y A M Sport Report. Sorry, everybody. I'm I'm very tired. At Kyle. Uh, for me, it's at the legendary KJ. That is L E R E G E N D A R Y K J. Uh, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been logged. Good night. <laughs>
and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.